Well, greetings to you, friend from Red Hill Baptist Church. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast, or maybe you get our CDs through our media ministry. I just want to let you know that I'm recording this in the midst of the COVID uh, virus shutdown, and uh, we've actually moved to all online uh, services now. In fact, the message I'm about to bring to you is also online in a three-part video. And uh, we're doing uh, videos, uh, we release them on Wednesdays and on Saturdays, and you'll find them at our website at redhillbaptist.org. And just to note that um, we'll not be posting any more podcasts uh, or sending out any CDs following this message for a while until we get back to our regular meeting time actually at the church. So if you pray for us, and if you'd like to turn tune in to those, uh, pod, those um, videos, we'd love to have you uh, join us online. Again, that address is redhillbaptist.org. What do you do when your world seems to be falling apart? I mean, we're living in perilous times. There is worldwide fear over the coronavirus that shut down so many things. The financial systems are being shaken. And people are finding themselves in places that they've never been before. Anxiety is rising. So what do we do? I read recently about Sean Baker and what she did when she was laid off from being an energy worker in Houston back in 2015. And what she did is she opened a new business which quickly became a smash hit. It's a place for angry and stressed out or anxiety-filled people to take out their frustrations on inanimate objects. Inside the building are four rooms lined with thick plywood, all stocked with old furniture and dishes and burned-out TVs and appliances, out-of-date electronics, and even feather pillows. And she gets all this stuff from junk dealers and furniture shops and she loads them in these rooms and customers come in and they get their choice of instrument, a golf club or a baseball bat or a lead pipe or a sledgehammer. And then after donning mandatory protective equipment, they close themselves in a room and smash everything in sight. Baker named her business Tantrums LLC. And customers pay anywhere from $25 to $50 for 5 to 15 minutes of demolition. And after the session, the room, it looks like a war zone. It's filled with broken glass and feathers and ceramic shards and electronic innards. And the book where I was reading about this said these words, People from all walks of life flock to Baker's business. Mothers, I don't know why it would be mothers, but... Mothers and businessmen and doctors and teachers, oil and gas workers, and even some therapists. I went on to read, beloved, that according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders affect 40 million adults in the United States, or just over 18% of the population. Now, I'll admit it does feel good sometimes to let off some steam by hitting something That cannot hit you back. But it's not a good long-term solution. It can't really deal with what is really going on to cause the anxiety in the first place. Now it is true that some anxiety is clinical and needs to be dealt with medically. But a lot of worry and anxiety is brought on by other factors. You know, the Bible says, and we have read these verses and hopefully heard them before, but sometimes it's so familiar we don't really let it grasp us and we don't practice what it says. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, 
And the NLT says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, it's also important to fill our minds with the right kind of material. The very next verse there in Philippians chapter 4, after verse 7, of course, verse 8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You know, in these days when anxiety can get the best of us, it's important to pray and to trust God and to fill our minds with truth. And that's what I want us to do as we turn again one more time to Romans chapter 8. And today we're going to finish up our study of this passage. And I want to give you three certainties that you can hold on to during these perilous days in which we live. And these three certainties apply to every believer. They deal with our security. You know, we've already studied so far at verse 28, but I'm going to back up and pick up there at verse 28 and read down through the end of the chapter. Romans 8, 28 through 39 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us, listen, all things? Verse 33, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Then we come down to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, three certainties to hang on to, Christian, during these perilous days. And number one is this. God is working out His plan for your life. God is working out His plan for your life. Verse 28 reveals the promise that God takes everything and He works it together for the child of God for good. And verse 29 comes along and tells us what the ultimate good is that He's working out, and that is that we might be like Jesus. That we would be like Jesus and Jesus would be exalted above all. And then verse 30 summarizes the process. 
from choosing us and calling us and saving us and then glorifying us. And I find it very interesting. Please note there in verse 30 that when it speaks about us being glorified, he speaks about it in the past tense. It's already done. I mean, yes, we have yet to experience it in our own bodies, that is having perfect bodies, being a perfect being. But from God's point of view, it is done. Believe it, we, believer, we're going to experience it. He will complete the work. So we can rest easy knowing that no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what's going on in our world, it's a part of God's plan to make us like Jesus because this passage says that He works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So the first certainty to hold on to in these trying days is to remember that God is working out. Christian, listen, God is working out His plan for your life. Now, second certainty. God really is for you. God really is for you. While it may seem that everything is against you, listen, Christian, God is for you. In fact, if God is for us, who can be against us? You say, well, lots of people are against us. The enemy is against us. Yes, but the enemy is a defeated foe. Let me read those verses again, this time in a different translation in the NLT, and listen to them very carefully. Romans eight thirty one through 34 What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for His own? No one. For God Himself has given us right standing with Himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and He's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, listen, pleading for us. Think about it, beloved. God gave up His Son for us. And if He's already given us the greatest of all, why would we ever doubt that He would provide the rest, everything that we need? In fact, not only has He given Christ for us, it says here that Christ is right now praying for us. He's making intercession for us. Talk about being for you. I mean, don't you pray for those that you love? Don't you ask God to help them and to bless them? Well, this tells us, beloved, that Jesus is praying for us right now. God is for you even when it seems that He is not. Even when the strain and stress of life is at its greatest, He is for you. He uses all these things for the ultimate good, the ultimate purpose, and that is to make us like Jesus. You see, there's security in Christ. He is for us. We are His children. Think about it. If you have kids, when our children fail, when they strike out, when they flunk the test, when they wreck the car, we're still for them, right? Well, are we a better parent than God? I mean, even when bringing discipline into our lives, He is for us. And this truth can help so much in alleviating some of the anxiety that we're experiencing in our life. Just think about this truth. God is for me, not against me. But we're not done. Certainty number three is definitely one that you're going to want to hold on to, and I mean hold on to it tightly. 
And it's this truth, beloved. God loves you and nothing can change that. God loves you and nothing can change that. Now, please note as I read these verses, he's not talking about our love for Christ, but Christ's love for us. And I want to read these words again, Romans 8, 35 to 39, and this time I'll do it in the NLT. And I want these words just to wash over you, believer. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the Scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced That nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, seems to plunge the depths to find any and every possible thing which could separate us from the love of God. And beloved, every one of them comes up empty and short. You see, no one, nothing can separate us from the love that Jesus has for us. You know, I thought about pulling these verses apart and analyzing them. And of course, there's nothing wrong with doing that. We should look at the scriptures and and really look at them in depth. But when I looked at this passage as a whole, it struck me that that would be like taking a dozen roses, separating them and looking at each one under a microscope. I mean, when you send someone a dozen roses, if they were to deconstruct that bouquet and examine them one by one under a microscope, it would lose much of the beauty and the meaning. No, we want to take this passage as it is presented to us, as the Holy Spirit has given it to us, and see it as a beautiful bouquet of love sent to us from God. When we look at this beautiful bouquet and we open the card that's attached to it, it says this, God loves you and nothing can change that. On your darkest day, He loves you. On your best day, He loves you. When you failed and sinned, He loves you. When you're walking with Him in victory, He loves you. You cannot escape His love. He loves you, believer, in every place, every hour, and in every situation. When the doctor says it's cancer, God loves you. When you're quarantined with the coronavirus, God loves you. When your spouse walks out on you, God loves you. When you lose your house or car because you cannot pay the bills, God loves you. He loves you. He's for you. And He's working out His plan for your life. Even when people sin against you and they do wrong, even when you sin and do wrong, He he even takes that into account and works out His plan to make you like Jesus. 
<clears throat> Beloved, this is so much better than throwing a tantrum or having a nervous breakdown or turning to sinful things and harmful things in our life. To trust in a loving God, our Father, who is absolutely for us, who loves us and is working out His plan for our life. You know, Joseph came to understand this. Joseph is one of my favorite Bible characters and we find his story back in the book of Genesis. And if you remember the story walking around as his father's favorite in his fancy coat of many colors, Joseph was given God-given dreams. But what happened? Well, one moment he was on the top of the world and the next moment he was on the bottom of a pit thrown there at the hands of his own brothers. The next thing you know, he's hauled up from that pit and he's sold as a slave and he's on his way to a foreign land. Sold again, he finds himself in Potiphar's house and the Bible says he was faithful because the Lord was with him. But he catches the eye of the master's wife. He refuses to sin with her and then he's thrown down again, this time in the prison. Over and over again, it seems that Joseph does what is right and what is good, and he suffers for it until one day he's brought out of the prison and he's placed in the palace. You see, beloved, God was for Joseph. He loved Joseph. And although it was tremendously difficult, even agonizing at times, God was working out his plan for Joseph's life. And at the very end of Genesis, in the 50th chapter, we find some words that Joseph said to his brothers. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says this to those brothers, the same ones that had taken him and stripped him of his coat and threw him in a pit and sold him. He said in Genesis 50:20, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You know, I can't help but think that if Joseph would have had access to the book of Romans, he might have added these words. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Friend, I don't know where you are today as you're listening to this, but can I just tell you that God loves you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's never been a better time than right now to turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ alone. You can do that by a simple prayer, letting Him know that you realize you've done wrong and you don't want your sin anymore. You want Jesus Christ to come into your life as your Savior and Lord. Why don't you do that right where you are? Just cry out to Him. And then for my brother or sister, today can I just remind you, when it seems that our world is in chaos and everything is kind of just crazy at the moment, can I remind you today that God loves you 
He is for you. And He's working out His plan for your life. Trust Him today. And rest in Him. Father, thank You for these truths from Your Word. I pray that You will seal them to our hearts and help us to love You and to trust You and to rest in You in these difficult days. And to give You all the glory and all the praise. Amen.